0: We continue the series of emotions. (laughs) It seems appropriate to talk about emotions. I'll uh, do my very best today to walk through this message and address it. I put the necessary time in and my heart's... I feel like I walk into the hospital at times. Sometimes I go to the second floor and then I go to the fourth floor. (laughs) There's people born and there's people that die. It's just one of those moments. And, but because of God's strength, we can press on. I have witnessed this emotion that I'm about to talk about today. Up front, very closely, I've failed at it. You've failed at using it properly. I've seen it destroy relationships, families, businesses, friendships, marriages, I've seen this emotion, anger, totally destroy homes. The best way I can describe that emotion is giving you that picture today. Let me give you a definition of this emotion, anger. It is a strong feeling of intense displeasure, hostility, or indignation that results from a real or imagined threat insult, frustration, or reaction to a perceived threat to ourselves or our loved ones, our property or self-image, or some part of our identity. Anger is a warning bell that tells us that something is wrong. It's this warning bell that God has placed into our emotions. It's this thing that we emote. It's like Something's not right. Something in me is bothered. Something about that causes me to feel this bell going off inside of me. Anger has three components to it. The first of which is a physical reaction. And it usually starts with a rush of adrenaline. ...and responses such as increased heart rate, blood pressure, and tightening muscles, often known as the fight or flight response. It's that little trigger inside of you that causes your blood to boil, in different terminology. It's that little trigger inside of you that causes your heart rate to increase... It's that bell that goes off that causes you to tighten your muscles. It's that response that something is happening to me that I don't like. All of us have experienced this emotion. So the first component is a physical reaction. The second component is the cognitive experience of anger. ...or how we perceive and think about what is making us angry. For example, we might think that something happened to us is wrong, unfair, or undeserved. So first, we have this adrenaline rush. First, this bell is going off. First, there's this physical adrenaline and there's this blood pressure that is going to rise. Secondly, it affects the cognitive part of our body... We know something's wrong. Something is unfair. Something is undeserved. And so our minds pick up on it too. The third component is this. The behavior or the way we express our anger. We have a physical response, a cognitive response, and now there's behavior and, not, and sometimes not good behavior that follows this bell that's going off Inside of us. And there is a wide range of emotions and behaviors that signal that it's anger. We may look and sound angry. We may turn red. We may throw chairs across a basketball court. We may raise our voices. We may clam up. We may slam a door. We may storm away. ...or otherwise signal to others that we are angry and we want you to know that we are angry. We may also state that we are angry and why and respond to it. I often think that we do that well with our kids... We see that they're angry. We look at their behavior. We don't like the way they're interacting with kids, their brothers and sisters or siblings. And so we give them a response. We discipline the behavior. We give them time out. I've often thought that adults are the ones more often that need to sit in the corner than the children do. Wouldn't it be awesome in the workplace if you just saw one of your employees sitting in the corner? We're quick to tell children what they do. But wouldn't it be great if once in a while you could just motion to your boss (laughs) and there he sits in the corner. Everyone experiences anger. And it can be healthy. It can motivate us to stand up for ourselves and correct injustices in our world. When we manage anger well, it prompts us to make positive changes in our lives and situations. However, mismanage anger is a counterproductive and can be very unhealthy. When anger is too intense, too out of control, too misdirected, and overly aggressive, it can lead to poor decision-making and health problems and poor problem-solving. It can create problems with relationships at work and home and in the business. I personally think this. After watching men and studying men for a large part of my life and being a dude, I believe this. That anger is... Whoa, what's that? That anger is just... ADD just kicked in. That anger is just as much a problem as sexual immorality with men. Yet we don't address what we would call, I have a temper, or he has a temper. In fact, Paul knew this. And even when he began... ...to select leaders for the local church... ...whether they were overseers or elders... ...or they were pastor elders... ...he made sure that you didn't put men into the, 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 the office of leadership... ...if they didn't have their anger under control. Just listen for a second why I believe that's true. Paul gave us a list in Titus and Timothy... ...for attributes, characteristics of leaders and elders in the church... First, he said this in Titus 1.7, that they should not be overbearing, not pushy, not obstinate, or a man who has to have his own way, or not have this perspective, my way or the highway. That man should not be leading a group of people called the local church, because anger will destroy, anger that's not managed well, anger that's misdirected will divide. Paul also said this in 1 Timothy 3.3, 3 3 That this leader should not be quarrelsome, not a brawler, not pugnacious, not combative or thin skinned. In fact, he tells us that they should have no part of leadership. Titus 1 7, another qualification of a leader in the local church. Not quick tempered, doesn't blow his top when he gets angry, it's not easily irritable. Not hot-headed in leadership. He remains calm under pressure. Then Paul gives another anger-related characteristic or qualification of an elder. In 1 Timothy 3.3, he said, not violent. Not a quick striker. Not a physical or verbal abuser. Not quick to pick fights. Mastered of, of intimidation. Or thinking that he deserves better. And then Paul says this about qualifications of a leader, elder, pastor in a local church. He says in 1 Timothy 3.3 3, that he should be gentle. A man who considers the whole picture before acting. He protects and does not humiliate. Now when you think how many times even in that list he said something about anger-related behavior. And when you watch relationships... How many relationships are destroyed in our world because a man doesn't have control of his anger? I believe that might be the number one failure and, and also weakness of men in our world. But often it's not addressed. Let me just say this. Even our leaders, your elders here at Grace Community Church, they are these kind of men. They have their anger under check. And these men are Keith Puckett, Craig Coble, Jeff Tensley, Darren Holsoppel, Chad Weldy, Dave Penyon, and John Corbin. These men have the qualifications and they lead you well. So, if Paul thought it was that important, and scripture is laced with these admonitions. Of knowing we better have it under control, then you and I better take a close look at it too. Let's do that. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll show you what Paul had to say regarding anger, this emotion. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up, or ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're gonna read verse 26 through 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 32. When you find that, stand and we'll read it together. Ephesians 4, verse 26 through 32. Look what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. 26 to 32. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Read. In your anger, do not sin. "'Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, "'and do not give the devil a foothold. "'Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, "'but must work doing something useful with their own hands, "'and they must have something to share with those in need.' Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and considerate to one another, forgiving each other. You may have a seat. Thanks for finishing up that verse for me. (laughs) Some of you today might say, Well, I don't have to worry about this message. I can't wait till next week. But you need to talk to her, Pastor Jim. Or you need to talk to him, because I know what Monday morning's going to be like. Some of you might say, Well, you need to talk to my coach. You need to talk to my boss. And you might even say this doesn't apply because you think that you don't get angry. The Bible tells us this, that God himself gets angry. In the Old Testament, there's passage after passage of God's anger. In the New Testament, Jesus himself was angry yet did not sin. And we are created in the image of God and we bear the DNA of our God who who, who rules the world and created us. This verse says this in 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. In other words, you and I will be angry. Do not let the sun go down on unresolved anger. Or do not let your anger be unchecked. Or it will destroy you. It's very dangerous to not address This sin, which it can move into. It's dangerous to not address this emotion that has a righteous side and an unrighteous side. In either case, it could start out as a righteous anger. And if it's not resolved, and you could respond out of that in a sinful way. Paul says, look what it produces. It produces unwholesome talk. This sin is in the list of a bunch of sins. Yet even in the midst of it, it's bookcase between forgiving and putting away anger, brawling, slander. And it begins by do not be angry. And in the midst of that, the outplay of that is sin, 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 sin. Think how many times you've seen someone blow their top. And out of their mouth came these words that was related to this emotion That they didn't respond to correctly. And when we respond in anger in a sinful way. It grieves the Holy Spirit. So Paul says this. There's a list of sins. He says get rid of all of it. Not just tomorrow or Tuesday. And hold off on Wednesday. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. Along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. And instead, be forgiving and kind to that person who has wronged you. So you might be asking today, how, how do we do that, Pastor Jim? Okay, I know I feel angry right now. Right now, when you started talking about this emotion, this person came to mind, or this, this workplace came to mind, or this, this ex came to mind, or this pastor came to mind, or this coach came to mind, or, 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 or this situation came to mind. How can I Manage this anger. How do I know if it's if it's sinful anger or righteous anger? You might be asking that question. Well, I'm glad you asked because Nehemiah and the Old Testament were familiar with. He was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And while he was rebuilding these walls, he and his people we're being battered, we're being exposed, we're being charged exorbitant costs, we're being held, taking the mortgages that they had on homes and being charged, we'll be placed into slavery. And Nehemiah is tipped, angry, upset. And he knows that he needs to do something with this anger because he sees his people being mistreated. And so he has a choice to make. What will he do with this adrenaline rush? What will he do with this this pulse rate that's going faster than what it was yesterday morning? What will he do with this blood pressure that's very high? What will he do with this red face? We have to respond to our anger too. Look what he does. Look at Nehemiah chapter 5. Turn back to the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to look at verse 6. Let's see how Nehemiah walked through some anger in his life. Let's see what... Our response should be, let's see what God would want us to do. Nehemiah chapter 5 and verse 6 says this. When I heard their what? Outcry and these charges in verse 6. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very what? Angry. The very first thing. Let me just help you out here. The very first thing. That you and I must do when we know this is really bothering me. I know if I don't address this issue, someone's going to be in my path today and it's not going to be good. I need to respond to this in a godly way because this thing that's stirring inside of me, this emotion that's stirring inside of me must be addressed. So we must first acknowledge that we're angry. So, what did Nehemiah do? Well, he wrote it down. And he said, I was angry. Now, what do some of us do when it comes to anger? Someone might see that our face is red. Someone might see that our pulse is racing. Some of us might see that our eyes get really beady. How many times have you looked at someone that you know and care about and say, you're really upset, aren't you? And they say, I'm not mad. Well, tell your face that. Tell your blood pressure that. And so some will stuff it. Some will try to deny it. And I'm going to show you here in a few minutes that that's not a proper response. We must bring it to light. We must do like Nehemiah did here. What did he do? He brought it out. He didn't suppress it. He says, I am very angry. Pause for a second here. Anger is not intrinsically evil. Or sinful, but it tells you that something is not the way you desire it to be, and it could either be a good or bad reason. So if your desire is a noble desire or a godly desire and it doesn't happen, you know what? You could be angry because of that. If your if your desire is not a noble one and a sinful desire and it doesn't come your way. You could be angry about that. So you have two sides of the coin. And so, but the first thing you must do in either case is say, I'm feeling angry about this. Let me explain the two types of anger. There's a righteous anger that stems from the mistreatment of others. Or when you feel compelled to rectify a holy, unholy decision. Let me give you an example in my own life. When I travel to Thailand and Cambodia, and here in May, I have an opportunity to lead another group from Grace to go visit our precious children that we as a church have rescued and and you support and pray for. And every time when I go to Thailand, when I ride through the, the city and we, we, we find ourselves walking in the city. And when I walk by a brothel, and they're everywhere, e- everywhere. And when I see the flashing lights, and I see these, these young Thai girls, some 11, 12, dressed like they're 20 or 30, standing outside. And then when I see these Western men walk into this place, and as I'm riding by, I am angry. I am ticked off. I find myself just, Lord, I'm angry. I acknowledge that I'm angry. And out of that, I have a response to that. I need to respond to that anger. And you know what I do? My response to that isn't taking an AK-47, walking inside and shooting every man that's in there. That would be a sinful response. But you know what I do? I do, for one, what I wish I could do for everyone. I go and I hug our Thai girls. And I make sure that I will be an advocate for them from Grace Community Church, that we will protect them, that we will not let some Western man take advantage of them. That's what I do in response to my anger. Because if I didn't have a response to that, it could go bad quickly. And we see it go bad quickly in cases. But the Bible is clear. Even Jesus was very angry. Matthew 21, 12 to 13. He walked in and he turned some tables. Do you think Jesus went in to the temple area and the synagogue? Do you think he walked in and said, hey, I need a little help. Can we turn this table upside down? Hey, let's fold up the legs while we're at it. Hey, let's put it against the wall. I'm angry. No, he went in there and he was upset that they were turning this place into a den of thievery and robbing God's presence. And so he went in there and he just made a firestorm and said, you get out of here. Righteous anger. The Old Testament is littered with Christ's symbolization of the angel of the Lord. We, it's also littered with God's response. And therefore the Lord's... Listen to this in Isaiah chapter 5, 25. This is God speaking about himself. Therefore the Lord's anger burns against his people. His hand is raised and he strikes them down. The mountains shake. The dead bodies are like refuge in the streets. Yet... For all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still raised. However, even righteous anger can go south quickly. Like the example I just talked to you about, if I were to walk into these brothels. And sometimes we see it in our world someone who has a real passion and sees this injustice in our world, even the air of abortion. Soon as you take a life, as soon as that baby is conceived, it's life, and you take an abort of life, it is sin, it's murder. And if you 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 find yourself finding that injustice in our world, you need to do something about it. If that's your passion and that's what surfaces, don't do, allow that anger to turn south and sinful. It's like when you read about this person who is a Christian. Walks into abortion clinics instead of of responding to this anger in a godly way, goes in and kills the doctor. That's when anger goes south, and that's when the enemy wins. So, there is a thing such as righteous anger that can go south, and so because of this anger, we must gain control of it. In fact, James chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. Gives us another proclamation, another reminder. He said, everyone should be quick to what? Listen. Slow to what? Speak. And slow to become what? Angry. Because, he says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So we're supposed to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. We're not supposed to just, oh, I feel this emotion. We're supposed to be slow to anger. Why does James remind us of that? Because he knows it's damaging. There are two unhealthy responses to anger. I would call them spewers and stewers. Let me demonstrate. A spooer is someone who, who feels this emotional response and they feel the need to let you know how they feel. And say, like, oh, no, here he comes. It's like, and so it's just. <gasps> you know those people, don't you? Right now you need to elbow one of them. You know what they're like. And you know that that's an ungodly response. Have you ever met someone like, they're upset, they're angry, and they just litter the workplace. They just litter the place that they're at with words and screaming and just spew it out. Then there are those who I would say are stewards. They like, they're like a crock pot. It's like they just let it in there and it just kind of simmers all day long. And you look at them and you say, hey, are you mad? No, I'm not angry. And they just suppress it. But you know by their facial response. And you know that sooner or later, Mount St. Helens is going to erupt. Both of those responses aren't godly responses. Both of those are sinful responses. We're supposed to acknowledge, I am angry. I know I'm angry. And then we have to determine, is it a godly anger? Or is it an ungodly anger? Is this emotion I'm feeling coming from God or coming from the enemy? And so spewers, they they, they just come after you with words. They'll curse, they'll throw chairs, they'll scream. Stewers will sock and pull away. And they try to make their body absorb this. It's like they make their bodies absorb all this stuff in their internal organs. And you'll see that, that stewards, people have a crockpot response to, to anger. They have all kinds of ulcers. They're just loaded with, with uh, internal problems because they make their body become a shock absorber to it. It's like, it's in there going like this. And they're saying, okay, it's okay. And, and the liver's going, quit it, quit it, quit it, quit it. And so their intestines is trying to wrap it around. It's like it's spinning around. The intestines are trying to shut it down. And your body becomes an absorber. Let me tell you, that's not healthy if you didn't recognize it. You might say, well, I just can't stop my response to my anger. I just got to spew it out. I have to get it off my chest. Have you ever seen those people? I just had to get it out and I just feel better about it. Sorry you were in the way. Say you know those people, don't you? <laughs> Yet my Bible and your Bible says, in the epistles, God's electric power company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, he tells us, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Oh, we don't like that one, though, do we? And, and like, we feel like somehow that's like... Like, we don't need that one. And someone say, Well, I'm just not a disciplined person. Well, let me tell you something the fruit of the Spirit is self control, and that's discipline, it's that you choose not to use self control. And the moment you choose not to have self-control with this response to anger or any other area in your life, the minute you begin to say, well, I'm not good, I can't do that, I don't have this, I, I, I can't get up early, I can't stay up late, I can't, I can't, I can't. In regards to doing godly disciplines or godly responses, what you're saying is, I choose not to walk with the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Let me, let me tell you how much more in control than you, than, than you realize you are. Now, this probably never happened to you but you had an argument with your wife or husband. I know that never happened to you. And so maybe you're like someone who verbalizes it. Maybe you're, you grew up in a home where everyone yells, blah, 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 and the kids are howling over in the corner. I'm not saying this is healthy, by the way. I just, just, Every once in a while you see that. It's like there's, mom and dad are at each other, and the, the kids are like, oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad. Or maybe it's a, a child and a parent, and you're back and forth at each other, and you say, I don't have any control over it, Pastor And then the phone rings, and it's your best friend. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can come over at five. Can you hold on a second? How much control do we really have? None of us have ever been guilty of that, have we? So some of us have been more guilty than others, the way it sounds. We have more control than we realize. Even this week, I found myself becoming impatient with a situation. It was like, I don't like what I'm feeling. I was starting to get angry. It's like, okay. And so I, I was sitting there. It's like, I'm in the midst of this message. And so I'm, 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 I'm acknowledging I am angry. I must gain control of this. And I found myself saying, Lord, I don't like my response to how I'm responding right now. Dear God... Would you help me to respond in a godly way? Let me tell you what happened. Almost immediately, this person was was my response to this person completely changed. And I remember sitting there thinking, Oh, that really does work. It's amazing what happens when you bring God into a situation like that. So Nehemiah, he's angry. He acknowledges I'm angry. He 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 puts it out there. He says, I'm angry. Then we must gain control of our anger. Watch what he does. Look what Nehemiah does next. Verse 6 says, When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. 7 says, I pondered them in my mind. Cognitively, I thought about it. And then accused the nobles, officials. I told them, "You You are charging your own people. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them. And said, As far as possible, We have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. In other words, quit doing what you're doing. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. He gained control of his anger. What did he do? He pondered to himself, cognitively said, Okay, I don't like the way I'm feeling. Something's wrong. I'm angry. I need to resolve this. I need to do something with this anger. And so what did he do? He, he took time. I say this, often we just need to count to 20. Just count to 20. If you feel the need to respond out of this anger and you haven't taken the necessary time to ask the Holy Spirit to help you respond to that, a prior step to that might be just one, two. Imagine what would happen in our world, if people actually mentally count it to themselves 20 before they said what they were thinking in that moment. I often tell people this in marriage counseling. If you have a rift between your husband and wife and you know that you're feeling angry, there's this emotion that's brewing underneath and you know that if you respond out of that, that it's not gonna be good, that you're gonna be in the doghouse and she, you're gonna be on the couch. The thing to do, I always tell them, count, but then go grab your wife And just hold her for 30 seconds and just count the 30, even though you don't want to. Just just hold her. It's amazing what happens when you soon realize, man, my response to that was horrible. I love this woman. When a man finds a wife, he finds a gift from God, favor from the Lord. It's often what happens when you begin to gain control of the situation in your mind everything changes on the outside of our lives too. We must gain control. So Nehemiah gains control. Way too many anger issues that just pop up out of nowhere are because of unresolved problems. The explosion that we see is only the tip of the iceberg. Way below the surface of the frozen ocean is the root of the problem. And if you leave it unresolved, it will damage and halt your spiritual growth. So you have to say, something is causing this. There's something inside of me that makes me feel angry. I must get to the root or the bottom of this. And the majority of anger problems stem from unrealistic and often sinful goals or expectations. Let me give you an example of that. Suppose tomorrow morning you have a meeting at 8.30 and you live south of Goshen. And so it's 8.30 and you know you have to be there. It's a real important meeting. Maybe it's a job interview or maybe it's, it, it's with a family member. And you know that you have to be there at 8.30. Tomorrow morning rolls around and your alarm clock doesn't go off. You wake up and you realize that you're already 15 minutes behind the time that you should have left. And so you're frantic, you're running around the house, you don't get breakfast, you bark at the kids and you, say, you don't say goodbye to your wife and, and you're driving up the road or you're a single girl and you're driving up the road and it's just, you're, you, you know you're behind. But in your mind, you already know that I need to make up time because I'm running behind. And so as you get in your car, you're realizing, boy, this car could really do it too. And so you fire it up, so this is my chance to see that Hemi under the hood. And so in your mind, I'm gonna make it on time. And so you get on on State Road 15, and you begin to head north, and like, man, you're calculating, you're like 5 miles, 10 miles up the road, and you've already made up 7 minutes. By the way, that would be awesome. But you're making it up. But about 7 miles up the road, there's this car that comes out, gets on State Road 15, and it's heading north too. Now, in this car is this sweet lady who... Monday mornings they get together and they have breakfast and, and their time is, well, whenever you can get there, you're getting the picture. She pulls out in front of you, just waving to the people as they come up the road. Just, there's her neighbors and everyone waves and, 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 and you're behind her. And coming south on 15 is one steady stream of traffic heading to work. In that moment, what kind of version of, a self, of you are you? So what happens? I mean, we, we've seen it happen. never happened to you, though. What happens to that sweet, dear lady that's just meeting her friends at Joanna's in Waterford? She becomes the reason that you're late, doesn't she? It's like, it's her problem. We honk the horn. And some of you go so far as to do some other things. She has no idea where that came from. It's like, I'm just going to breakfast. Why did you get angry? Because this. There was a blocked goal in your path. And this sweet lady who loves Jesus, and if you really got to know her, she would probably buy you a new car, but you don't know that, becomes the object or the hurdle in your way. And so because that's a blocked goal, you get angry. And so you know what you need to do when that happens, when a block goal comes in your life? This, that's the primary reason for anger. You need to go back and say, was that a realistic goal or expectation in my life to try to make it after I was 10 minutes behind was it realistic for me to think? And so you need to readjust your, 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 your goal. You need to readjust the goal that you have of your husband, of your wife, of your business, of, of your time, whatever it is. You need to go back and say, this isn't realistic. I need to readjust this. I need to come up with an alternative solution because if I continue on this path, I will be angry, angry, angry. The primary reason we get angry is blocked goals. Well, you have in marriages. I just wish my husband was like him. Well, your husband isn't him. I I just wish I had that job, but they gave it to that person. I just wish I could go on vacation there and have extra cash to do that. and, And boy, he gets to go all the time. And so you need to come back and readjust your expectations and your goals. Make them reasonable. The primary reason is blocked goals and unresolved sin. And so... A bomb is ticking inside of us about to go off. And if it isn't a reasonable goal, it's, if it's a sinful desire, I'll guarantee you, you will eventually face an angry encounter with yourself. I have been with people who have all types of blocked goals and realizations and expectations. An and unchecked anger problems, ruptures relationships, freezes communication, and ultimately leads us to an explosion. That's why James said we need to be slow to anger. That's why Ephesians said we need to get rid of all of it. That's why Paul said, do not let the sun go down on your anger. We must gain control of our anger. That's why the Bible even warns us. Now listen, this is what the Bible says. This isn't what Jim says. Proverbs 22, 24 says this. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Answer this question. Who you hang out with? Well, I really like him. And when, you know, when he's not explosive, when she's not explosive, she's, she's, she's okay. It's like... Do you ever feel like you've had this conversation, you're with this person, and they just kind of explode, and you're like patching up saying, well, he's really a good guy. You, you just got to get to know her. She's, she's really nice. Just, it has just has this one area. The Bible says, do not even associate with them. Do not even hang out with them. Do not even friend them. Why? Because anger is a path." Of destruction, and you could get pulled into it also. Proverbs sixteen, thirty-two says it this way: Whoever controls his temper is better than a warrior, and anyone who has control of his spirit is better than someone who captures a city. You know, we live in a world, and and we as men, we like warrior, brave heart, gladiator, win fight, and we elevate heroes. The Bible says that the heroes that are elevated even more than that are someone, a man who can control his temper. So we must gain control of our anger. We must acknowledge. And thirdly, we must find a solution to our anger. Paul even said to do it before you go to bed. Do not let the sun go down before you deal with it. In other words, here, here's what I'm telling you. There must be a deadline to your anger. You must address it. It's like, that's why, you know, think about it. You had a rift between husband and wife. It's in the morning. So here's how it normally goes. The dude, if he's, if he's working, he leaves. He's just glad to get away from it. And all day long, this, these are his thoughts if he's not handling it properly. Boy, I hope she forgets about it. I hope we don't have to bring it up tonight. Have you ever been guilty of that? Come on, come on, come on, bunch of chickens. All day long, you're just hoping that, oh, I hope it you know, just kind of gets better without us talking about it. And so, you know what you do? You don't want to talk about it. And so maybe if you're the, the, the gal... Maybe you stuff it. Maybe you're a steward. And the Bible says, Paul says, you better deal with it. You better bring resolution to this anger. Because if you go to bed angry, you know what happens? There's a rift. There's a divide. You've given the devil a foothold. And as soon as you give a devil a foothold in this relationship, you can't shut the door. You can't close it. And if you open just a crack to get his foot in, he will come in there and he will put chains. He will put that marriage in bondage. And some people say, why is marriage so difficult? Because it's opposed by an enemy. Isn't that right? I mean, think about all the relationship issues. Why are is there so many relationship issues? Because Satan doesn't want healthy, godly relationships. So you must find a solution. Put a deadline on your anger. So think about whatever that thing is. Think about that issue in your life. Maybe it's someone's done something in your past. Maybe someone's done, Paul says in Ephesians, you should forgive them. You need to do something about it. You need to put a deadline. I'm I'm calling them this week. You need to confront them in love and say, even for my sake, we need to deal with this. I can't go on because every so often this this emotion of anger comes up when I think about you. Every so often, and I need to deal with this. You better put a deadline on it because if it continues to simmer, if it continues to, to cook, if it continues to just spew every once in a while, there will be nothing but ruptured, fractured relationships, destruction in your life. Don't let it fester. Don't let the bomb gain more fuel. Get rid of all bitterness. And sometimes, here's the reality. We're harder on those that are closer to us and that we love the most than we are a stranger. Let me explain. It's like, someone could say something to us. We could be on a street in America, walking down the street, and this person could walk by just having a bad day. And for some reason we're in their path and they could curse at us and flip us off. And we could say something like, wow, they must be having a bad day. Now, imagine your own wife or husband or kid saying something to you. We come right back at them. When's the last time you, when there was that encounter, you said to your wife, wow, honey, I see that you're having a bad day. Or, hey, baby, you're having a bad day. Let me give you a back rub. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away anger. Sometimes the people that we're the hardest on are the ones that are closest to us. So Nehemiah, what's he do? Look, he he finds a solution. Verse 9, so I continue, what are you doing? What you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? And I, my brothers, and and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses. And also interest you are charging them. 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. He's coming up with a solution. He's communicating what's making him angry. Verse 12, and they said, we will give it back. You probably never heard that in your house, but it happened here. They said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I wrote it down. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, in this way may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they promised. Now, not every encounter is going to end that way. But I tell you what, the tone and reflection or inflection of your voice, a gentle answer in the time of anger will dismantle an angry person. You must find solution. It might not be you get what you want, but there might be a compromise, but you can't respond back in a sinful way. It might mean we forgive someone that has wronged us in our past so that the anger is washed away so that it does not stay inside of us forever. It might be forgiving a father, a mother, an ex-wife, or ex-husband, a pastor. Because if you don't, you'll remain locked in that prison of unforgiveness, boiling over, and the only person that can set you free is you. Why would you stay in lockdown mode when you carry the warden's key to freedom? Seriously, why would you stay angry? festering, internal organs just being ruptured, relationships shattered. Why would you allow this damage, this, this time bomb to continue to destroy your life when the person that did it to you isn't being affected by it at all? Why would you do that when you can reach in your pocket and take the warden's key and let yourself out through forgiveness? You see, why? Because we're opposed because the enemy says, hey, you should feel that way. You should really really be bitter. You should be resentful. So what are the causes of anger? Why do we get angry? Well, here's just a few. Anger emotion surfaces because of not getting our way. When you can't control it, or you have to let someone else control it. Like, it's difficult for men and women to let other people lead them. It's not a normal response for a woman in a marriage, a wife in a marriage, to follow her man in a biblical way. Where he is leading in a tender way, submitting to God, and she's submitting to God too, and together he is leading her. He's the head. That's not normal response because of the sin in us. And so often when we can't get our way, when we can't control what we want to happen, I've seen it happen with men all the time. They don't like being told what to do, they want to do it their way because that way they're in control. And what happens, they get angry. You've had people angry at you. I have too, anytime you've led something. I have had lots of men angry at me. When you feel rejected, overlooked, or excluded, sometimes our pride says, hey, I want to be noticed. Hey, what about me? And when it's a sinful notice, you could get angry because you feel rejected. Anger can surface because of loss. Losing something that we cherish, such as a sweet person like Al Reed or Cheryl McBride. We ask these questions, God, why? I don't understand. So you have to say, I'm angry. You have to ponder it. You have to find a conclusion or resolution to that thing. Anger comes because of disappointment, unmet expectations. I wish he would have done that for me. How come you didn't do that? I wish you would have gotten a a, a B instead of a D. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish this would have happened. I wish, I wish I would have got that job. I I, I, I wish I could have had that house. I wish we could have went here. I wish, I wish we would be farther along in our relationship. All these disappointments, anger can come all of a sudden because it's blocked goals. We got to go back and set realistic expectations. It can become because of injustice when we see people mistreated by the way, it should bother you. Anger comes because of feeling inadequate. When you begin to compare yourself to someone else, instead of finding your identity in Jesus Christ, anger comes in. I want to ask you a few questions. Would you stand with me in closing? I want to ask you just to let the Spirit of God Kind of just reveal, illuminate, acknowledge, implore, convict, and ask yourself, do I have some unresolved anger in my life? Am I harboring unrighteous anger? So I got some questions for you. Think on these and respond with the Spirit's leading. Is my anger directed towards another person? And if it is, is it healthy or unhealthy? And if it is, is it simmering in the crockpot or have you brought it to light? And if it is... Have you responded in an ungodly way and you need to go and ask for forgiveness? Secondly, is it without justifiable cause? Like, this is just sinful. Is it without a justifiable cause? Ask yourself this question. Am I seeking vengeance Like, do you secretly wish that their marriage fails or their business plops or that they get sick and something happens to their kids and that their car breaks down or they have to experience all the troubles that you've experienced so that they can see what you have been through? How about this? Am I cherishing anger? Do you like it? Like, I like just telling people off. I like stuffing it and manipulating my husband or my wife and getting what I want. I like turning my back to him in bed because I know when I do that, he'll buy me a gift. Do I have an unforgiving spirit? am I harboring something against someone and I refuse to give it up? And lastly, is your landscape littered with people blowups? Like, is it like, well, it's only three times a year. Is it like, well, this isn't going to go good. Are you just using that as an excuse? That's just the way I am. Lord, I pray that we would respond correctly to anger because here's what we know, God. I know from experience when I fail miserably that it fractures, it divides, it blows up relationships. God, I pray that there would be some deadlines this week to our anger. I pray that we would admit it, we'd bring it to light, we would gain control over it, and we would find a solution to it, God. Give us a path to freedom this week in victory, God, please. May anger no longer rule our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. God bless you.